once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 305 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Friday, February 10th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, February 13th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. All right, Tony, why don't you give us a preview of what we have coming up this week? This week, we're tracking out what could be the new score for Discovery and how Hollywood is giving Star Trek makeup a nod. In Star Trek Online News, there's a big ship bundle you'll want to hear about, plus a bucket load of new features out on console this week. Later, we'll check in with Jake and Cookie on the promenade. As always, before we wrap up the show, we'll be opening hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget that we'd love to keep the conversation going between episodes from week to week. So... Join us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. To find out more and add your support, head on over to our page at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Well, it's Oscar season, and fortunately, Star Trek will get a slate in this year's awards. Joel Harlow, who won an Oscar in 2010 for the first Star Trek movie in the Kelvin timeline, has again been nominated in 2017 for his work on Star Trek Beyond. Forbes contributor Danny DePlacido had an opportunity to chat with Harlow about working on a franchise as grandiose as Star Trek. For starters, you may have already watched the vignette spotlighting Harlow's work on the bonus featurette for Star Trek Beyond, but ultimately over 50 alien species were created, 50 of course in celebration of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. But for Harlow, it's more than just creating cool-looking prosthetics. To him, each creation tells its own story, quote... Typically, when you do a film of this scale, you got your A characters, B characters, and C characters. C is deep background, but we didn't approach it like that. Every single one of these characters is an A character, its own work of art. End quote. Fortunately for you makeup enthusiasts out there, Harlow hinted that there might be a book out soon that goes into greater detail on each of his creations for Star Trek. So one of the things I found most fascinating about the interview was when Harlow was asked about whether or not there was a fear for makeup artists that CGI would put them out of work, so to speak. And he explains that there might have been a time when that was a legitimate concern, but now there seems to be a happy marriage between the two. Mm -hmm. That you need the physical in order to help the CGI seem more realistic and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you know what a really good example of this is, is uh, Deadpool. Yep. Even though Ryan Reynolds was wearing a mask the whole time, 
they used CGI to help give him facial expressions like you would see in the comic, mm -hmm. Deadpool giving in the comic. Yeah. Uh, even though you couldn't see his eyes, his pupils, or his eyebrows, yeah. they manipulated the mask using CGI. Um, and then we have instances in movies where it, it is in fact a combination of prosthetic and then motion sensor tracking. Yep to bring a character to life. Doug Jones is no stranger to that. The first and most disturbing example I can think of it, you know, linearly chronological that I can think of that, is an episode of Enterprise when Phlox smiles really big. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, that, that was, was the pilot. I remember. Was it the pilot? Oh, that was just creepy. It was just sick yeah. and wrong, but it worked. It really uh, they worked. They don't have one other time uh, other than that, but that was uh, originally in the pilot. Yeah, but that was, it was just super creepy. But I mean, that, but and that's the sort of thing too, is the marriage, I think, marks the higher quality productions because mm -hmm. It's one of those garage band things now, right? Any bunch of you know idiots can throw together a podcast and you know and edit it and make it sound yeah. good, right? Any bunch of idiots at all, just it's true. just randy random group of people uh, can do that. But but if it if you uh, for a, for the visual effects, CGI is is more uh, accessible now to hobbyists. But high quality makeup and the time and the space and the uh, materials to do that are not. And so if you have a high quality production, you can afford to spend that money and resource on the physical stuff and then mm -hmm. really punch it up with the after uh, with post-production stuff it's sprinkles and icing yeah I, I prefer sort of a light touch when it comes to cgi because cgi can almost look um what's the word hyper real i think i remember back in the day so we're going back a bit but um do you remember when jurassic park came out and uh, the the dinosaurs and stuff in Jurassic Park were all done completely CGI. Yeah. And I remember watching no, a little featurette. Well, well this, I remember the, the watching wide shots. a little the wide shots. Yeah, you know the ones where they're like running across the field and stuff. All yeah. of those oh, were all yeah, CGI. Yeah, the wide shots. Um, and I remember watching a featurette on them saying how that when they actually finished the CGI and put them into the film, they looked like two real like they didn't fit with the film because they were like way too detailed and everything else and they had to kind of roughen them up a little bit and i kind of feel that way about cgi even today um that it's it's very hyper real and i i personally i like having a model i like having prosthetics i like having that um actual physical thing that you're filming but then also on top of that, you get a little bit of enhancement, a little bit of extra range of motion that you couldn't get with the, the prosthetic and all of that kind of stuff. So for me, definitely the two things together is where it's at. Well, that leads us to our first community question for the week. For starters, are any of you out there makeup artists that have had Harlow's work influence your own craft? For those of us less familiar with the art, did you notice all of the humanoid species in Star Trek Beyond? Did they stand out to you? While we're on the topic of makeup, be sure to pick up Michael Westmore's memoir, Makeup Man, from Rocky to Star Trek, The Amazing Creations of Hollywood's Michael Westmore, due out on March 1st in physical copy or Amazon Kindle. For those of you that might not be familiar with that name, Michael Westmore is the Emmy Award-winning man behind the makeup for much of the Star Trek television franchise. His name is synonymous with film makeup for both the big and small screens. Back in January, we shared a little nugget of symphonic film score on our social media channels like Facebook and Twitter. We'll play it now for you.
Can you guess what that might be for? Well, keep guessing, because that's all we can do at this point. However, composer Charles Henry Avellange shared this soundbite on January 4th via a tweet accompanied by the text, quote, my first Star Trek theme. Looking forward to 2017's opportunities. Hashtag Star Trek Discovery. Hashtag Orchestra. Hashtag Filmmaking. Hashtag Film Scoring. End quoted tweet. Maybe this is just an audition reel. Maybe he's been hired. Unfortunately, unfortunately, there have been no confirmations from CBS as of yet. Now, music for Star Trek has always been a highly debated topic. Well, most specifically the themes for the television series. Probably the most controversial being, of course, the theme to Star Trek Enterprise, which included lyrics and music by Diane Warren and originally performed by Rod Stewart for the soundtrack to the 1998 film Patch Adams. Ricka, 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 record scratch. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It wasn't even written exclusively for the series? Like, WTF, mate. I didn't even know that. Like, no wonder the theme to the series was so poorly received. Not only did it stray away from what we've come to expect of Star Trek themes, but it reused something from a soundtrack to a movie that was mediocre at best. Okay, all right, anyway, back to the headline here. Composer Avalanche clearly had a sense of sweeping symphonic orchestration. However, when I listen to it, I can't help but to hear the theme to Galaxy Quest, (laughs) which in turn makes me believe that this is less a representation of what Discovery is and more of an interpretation of what some sci-fi story in space might sound like. Uh, You know, I'll be honest. My guess is that this is an audition. You know, he wrote this composition to get his foot in the door and Mm -hmm. land the gig. I mean, how can a film composer create a theme to a series that is that wasn't even in production yet? If I'm not mistaken, composers usually have access to the film and the script in order to underscore it. This feels a little too much like putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. Now, could I live with the theme? Yeah, sure, I guess. But it really could be better if it's going to live up to the standards of composers like Michael Giacchino from the Kelvin Timeline movies, Jerry Goldsmith, and James Horner, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, agreed. I definitely get the feeling that this is something that is was proposed or maybe, like, workshopped. Um, I went and had a look at the, 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 the composer's uh, profile on Twitter, and uh, one of... Uh, there was uh, he replied to someone else who had replied to his post about this theme um, saying that this recording session was a showcase for CBS indeed but nothing can be said at this time so um, my feeling is it probably was something that was workshopped that he was uh, trying things out but um, we haven't really had any other formal confirmation so there's not really anything more that we can be said at yeah, this Yeah, so point. this was definitely an audition tape. This yeah, was him yeah. sending his reel, you know, something that he put together and composed, specifically thinking of Star Trek mm-hmm. in mind. This was nothing more than, you know, trying to get his foot in the door. I think we can hope that the Dorito prize that we saw in the clip uh, gets refined, reworked, possibly mm-hmm. majorly redone. And I think we can hope that the sort of like generic science fiction-y theme that we heard in there gets reworked and kind of and punched up a bit. I think I, this is all very, very pre-production stuff, and this is all very early days things. And, and Well, this is, this is audition. This isn't even... This is not, yeah. No, we, yeah, he's just... Is, yeah. It, this is like me walking into an audition and singing whatever piece fits 
the Who? genre of musical yeah. I'm going to perform for. That's it. That's all this is. I'm thinking of that story uh, when Elijah Wood wanted to be Frodo. And he sent in like a, a tape to Peter Jackson of him like being being Frodo, like going on an adventure through the woods with like a just like a, a homemade cape and like stuff like. That. I, I'm thinking, you know, this is that. It's it's yes. that level yes. of, of, yeah. of of stuff. So. Yeah. Having said that, though, uh, you know, it is nice to hear a piece of music that's original that is leaning towards something that could be a theme because we haven't we haven't really been heard any of that kind of music in a very long time um so to me even though i'm not sure that that's really going to be anything that it ends up in discovery it's nice to it's nice to listen to and it's actually a little bit inspiring and gets me a little bit excited for what could be coming down the pipeline so that's a really good place for our next community question what are your thoughts of this symphonic score? Do you think this 30-second clip is impactful enough to join the ranks of composers like Michael Giacchino, Jerry Goldsmith, or James Horner? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO305 or find us on Facebook at Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or at PriorityOnePod on Twitter. A few weeks ago in episode 302, we reported that Star Trek writer Ira Stephen Bear was teaming up with 455 Film Productions, the same group that brought us For the Love of Spock, to produce a documentary about Deep Space Nine. Well, now it's up to you to make sure we get the most out of this documentary. Launched just days ago on Indiegogo, the documentary has already reached its first goal at 133% and over 2,700 backers by the time of this recording. However, the team of producers have unlocked stretch goals that will help enhance the final production, which could include an additional 30-plus minutes of DS9-related goodies, original scores, interviews, and more. The campaign also launched with a very witty and heartwarming video featuring Jeffrey Combs, Nana Visitor, Armin Shimmerman, Terry Farrell, Chase Masterson, and Hana Hatai, to name a few. So if you can, head over to the Indiegogo campaign and contribute. If you can't contribute financially, then it's up to you to convince Star Trek fans like Elijah to cough up some dough. One last thing before we move on, our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurt, is appearing on a couple of panels at this weekend's Long Beach Comic Expo in Long Beach, California. If you're in the area on Saturday, February 18th, pop along and say hello. He'll be talking about the intersection of art and science at 3 p.m. and seeing the hidden universe at 4.30. We'll leave a link in our show notes where you can find out more information at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO305. All right, Captains, now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News, where this week it's a veritable potpourri of stories. But let's kick off with some long-awaited additions to the STO shipyards. Starting off, we'll kick off with a long-awaited bundle of finally arriving in the sea store. The cross-faction bundle of Tier 6 multi-mission vessels is a whopper with engineering, tactical, and science variants for each faction, making a total of nine new ships. These ships are colloquially Tier 6 Vestas, an iconic class of starship from the Destiny series of novels. 
More recently to us in the Stowe timeline, this is the same class of ship as the Aventine, teased a few weeks back with Esri Dax in the big chair. And it's key to note that these are all basically science vessels with secondary deflectors, hangar bays, and a 3-4, 3-aft weapons layout. They also all have seating for temporal operative bridge officers. And of course, each of the engineering, tactical, and science variants comes with a unique console and mastery trait. One interesting point is that the KDF faction ships are all actually Gorn ships, so there's a little something different. For the full stats and details of the Universal Consoles and mastery traits for these ships, we'll leave a link to the blog post in our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO305. The nine ships are available now in the Sea Store, either individually, as faction-specific bundles with three variants, or as a super bundle with all nine ships. Well, with Agents of Yesterday landing on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on February 14th, Console captains are getting the chance to earn some great server-wide bonuses in the Temporal Agent Rewards event. New characters created during the event are dubbed Temporal Agents, and playing the game using your Temporal Agent character contributes to a global goal, which then applies to all players on the server, regardless of faction or whether they're a Temporal Agent or not. In the first week, which runs from the 14th of February through the 21st, playing first-run missions with your Temporal Agent can earn a server-wide XP bonus, which will apply the following week. So spend this week playing through the story and it'll be easier to level up next week. And if the Temporal Agent event wasn't enough for you, the release of Agents of Yesterday will also bring with it a console version of the seventh anniversary event currently running on PC. February 14th through March 16th, you'll be able to play the featured episode Echoes of Light, as well as the Omega Particle minigame, Save up 1,000 7th Anniversary vouchers and you can earn yourself the Tier 6 Krenim Science Vessel. To get those vouchers, you play the featured episode once, that's 400, and then do the Daily Omega minigame mission that you pick up from Q, that's 40 a pop. Speaking of the never-ending effort to get console systems up to speed with PC, there are also a few other features rolling out with Agents of Yesterday. Let's start with Armadas. For the uninitiated, armadas are essentially a way for fleets to expand beyond the 500-member limit, although the system is actually a little more nuanced than that. It's a three-tier system that can take up to 13 total fleets, tiered from Alpha to Gamma. Essentially, it's designed so that more mature fleets can help smaller fleets grow while getting some benefits themselves. Armadas came out on the PC back in Season 10.5 in the middle of the Iconian War, and we haven't really seen much change to them since. If you're currently in a fleet, it might be time to start thinking about expansion, whether it's who you'd like to join up with to help your fleet grow, or who you might like to join under you to make the most of your fleet's already ample resources. So Winters, to me, is kind of a problem, right? I mean, for years I had been pestering Al to figure out a way to have fleets help each other. There was huge problems with people not having sinks for all the fleet credits they had. Mm -hmm. You'd hit that Tier 5 starbase limit, and then you'd have nothing to do. Uh, you know, as you're in these big fleets that are just constantly hungering for stuff to do. Yep. Armadas was, it kind of helped. I mean, but it's a little restrictive. A little bit, but th- I think they were a good addition to the game. I think there's more that can be done with yeah. them. Is it time for another pass at the, at the system? You know, like the DOF system has been redone a little bit, tweaked around the edges since it was released. Is it time for another pass on Armadas? Yeah, I think definitely it is time for another pass with uh, fleets and Armadas. There's a number of things that they could do especially on the administrative side of fleets you know like there could be greater control for provisions and armada wide mail for example cross-faction armadas because that's something that we've been crying out for for a long time yeah when that comes i would imagine cross-faction teaming 
should be allowed because oh, what episode was it? Uh, was it surface tension that the war ended? Yeah. Between the Klingon yep. Empire and the Federation? Yeah. I think it was surface tension. So they could tie it into that. Once you play surface tension and you know, the war ends in the story, you can then team up with KDF or Fed players. We have, I recall, and it might have been when we did Armadas, or it might have been with some other th- uh, thing with fleets, but the Klingon versus Federation system is, I think, baked so deep into the actual game itself. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to recall having this discussion, and, and it was it was with Al, and so he was, you know, pleading ignorance on a lot of things. It's programming and stuff that's not his field. Yep. But it's really baked in. And so I'm not even sure we're ever going to get cross-faction star bases or cross-faction armadas. I mean, just as it's the that red versus blue was just so in, integral to the very you know uh, under underpinning of the game. So uh, what we but saying that there needs to be a way. I mean, there needs to be a workaround of some kind, whether it's some sort of token or something you can put on the exchange, mm-hmm. something that can make those resources move. Yeah. The thing that players who are on console really need to know about armadas is that functionally at the moment the best thing that they're used for is is a way to expand your fleet, get rid of some of those resources and get something back for them um, and help you organize if you have a very large fleet help you organize uh, all the people within it. So that's that's really going to be the biggest benefit for console players that are going to be seeing the new armada system. This Tuesday's patch will also bundle in three new reputation systems, six new player versus environment cues, and a new battle zone. The new reputation systems are the Nukara Strike Force, the Terran Task Force, and the Temporal Defense Initiative. There are some good cues in the new selection. Crystalline Catastrophe, Counterpoint, Assault on Terek Nor, Days of Doom, Minor Instabilities, and the Battle of Procyon Five. You'll need to get familiar with many of these in order to complete those new reputation systems. Crystalline Catastrophe will get you Nakara marks, Counterpoint and Assault at Tarak Nor will get you Terran marks, and Days of Doom, Minor Instabilities, and the Battle of Procyon V will all get you Temporal marks. Finally, the Badlands Battlezone will also be coming to console with the February 14th update. It's a fun place to hang out if you like fighting Mirror Universe ships, and you can earn a cargo bay load of Terran marks at the same time. So a little inside note for console players, this is a huge update, huge, and it's likely to be a very large patch. So on Tuesday the 14th, please be prepared to take some extra time getting set up. Also on big launch days like this, the servers can be very busy, so please be patient. Players not in the US may very well see a slight delay on the launch, but we won't know until it happens. We haven't had a big release like this on console yet other than the initial game launch, so it's fair to say, expect the unexpected. So that brings us to this week's community question. What were your first experiences with the launch of Agents of Yesterday on console? In other Star Trek gaming news, Disruptor Beam, the game studio behind Star Trek Timelines, as well as Game of Thrones Ascent and the upcoming Walking Dead March to War, have recently secured an $8.5 million investment in a new round of financing. The company credits part of their success to Timelines, the rapidly growing Star Trek adventure for mobile platforms and Facebook. In a press release dated February 2nd, 2017, CEO and founder of Disruptor Beam, John Radoff, said, quote, Disruptor Beam's success over the past year is linked to the launch of Star Trek Timelines, but it is also a direct result of our continued dedication to Disruptor Beam's unique culture. This latest investment will help fuel the continued growth and development of our platform and our teams, 
so that we can in turn continue to bring fans deeper into the worlds that they love." End quote. While Timelines is unlikely to become a direct competitor to Star Trek Online, the new funding is likely to help the studio expand its offering which already boasts voiceover from the original Q, John Delancey. And finally, in other gaming news, a mod for strategy game Stellaris has just dropped. It's a new alpha update that some Star Trek Online players might be interested in checking out. The mod called Star Trek New Horizons is a free total conversion mod, which means that it reskins the entire game to look like Star Trek. It's an incredibly well done mod with features including five unique static galaxy maps, more than 50 pre-scripted Star Trek canon races, Full ship sets for a number of governments, including the Federation, Klingons, Romulans, Ferengi Alliance, Corn Hegemony, Breen Confederacy, and more. More than 300 new race-specific weapons and several new stories. Keep in mind that an alpha release may not be the most stable software you can use, but nevertheless, it's free. Stellaris itself, which is currently $39.99 US dollars Merkin, is available now in the Steam store. Well, that's it for this week in Star Trek Online and other Star Trek gaming news. Now let's spend our hard-earned Latin with Jake and Cookie on the promenade. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jake Cobb. And I'm Cookie Cupcakes. And this is the promenade. Cookie. You look terrible. Are you okay? Wow, Jake. Nice. You know just how to speak to a lady. And anyway, you sound terrible. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. You look frazzled is all. Is everything okay? I'm fine. Just trying to find the perfect Valentine's Day present. Valentine's Day? Oh, yeah. Wow. You're way late, Cookie. You'll never find a gift in time. I should hack your Facebook account and post manipulative like and share if you care about me posts. What? Oh, nothing. Okay, so, uh, why not just buy a present and give it late? It's the thought that counts, right? Yeah, I guess so. Wisdom. So, what happened to your voice? Well, it's true what they say. In space, no one can hear you scream, even if it's really, really loud. I don't even want to know. Nope, you don't. I just want to buy a Valentine's Day present. Speaking of Valentine's Day... We should probably give some last-minute gift ideas to our listeners. Let's get to it. Okay, so here's my top Star Trek gift idea for your I'm sorry I forgot Valentine's Day gift because if you order it now, you're not getting it in time. (laughs) StarTrek.com recently released a beautiful vertical pendant necklace with Kal Uchan in Vulcan script, which is translated infinite diversity in infinite combinations. This is the script written out. There's also one with the symbol as well, but I like the script one better. Mm, yeah. It's sterling silver, and it hangs down three inches from a 20-inch sterling silver diamond-cut bead chain. It's also made in New York City and handcrafted by Rock Love. I just love how this necklace looks. It looks so intricate and fancy, yet it still has like an alien alternate universe vibe, or like you're with the Illuminati or something. It looks pretty unique and definitely will get some looks, in a good way. The only thing is that I don't like that it's sterling silver. I hate caring for silver jewelry. I promised myself I would just stop buying stuff made of that because it just looks awful after a while. So I wish it was made of something else. But then again, I'm not going to buy this for myself because it's 125 bucks. So this is definitely a great gift, but not really a I'm worth it gift to myself. I don't let myself buy premium gasoline or fly first class either. You know how it is. 
Actually, speaking of treating yourself, for those of you who either choose not to celebrate Valentine's Day or are unable to do so because of romantic circumstances, the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th, is widely accepted to be Single Awareness Day. So if you have single friends, show them some love. Or if you are single, show yourself some love. You don't have to be in a relationship to celebrate your life choices. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I never knew that. I didn't know that the day after Valentine's Day was... Single people don't get a lot of love when it comes to their life choices. Yeah, Valentine's Day is not fun for everyone, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, in the interest of transparency, I'm married to a non-Trekkie. Bless her heart, she puts up with my nerdiness, but she has zero interest in it herself. I'm so sorry for your loss, Jake. (laughs) So unfortunately, I won't be able to bestow upon her the gift of Star Trek Sterling Starfleet Trillion Rings. These nickel-free sterling silver rings are handmade in New York by Rocklove Jewelry and are officially licensed products. They feature the familiar Starfleet TOS Delta, flanked high on the left if you're looking at it from straight on in proper orientation, and low on the right by an accent of four celestial cubic zirconia, then attached at those same points by the sterling silver band. The real star of the show, though, is the 17mm by 10mm wide Delta Shield. Each piece can be ordered in three varieties. Well, four really, but we'll get to that. Those three colors are, you guessed it, red, gold, and blue. To represent those colors, Rock Love has used Trillion Cut Stones, a yellow citrine gemstone for a command, a deep red garnet gemstone for engineering, and a blue topaz gemstone for science. I'll give a quick rundown of what all that means because I had no idea before researching. Trillion Cut, according to 77diamonds.com, is a triangular shape comprised of three equal sides and 31 or 50 facets depending on whether the diamonds are used as solitaires or accent stones. Sounds nice. In regards to gemstones, there's a lot of info out there, and we found that Gemological Institute of America at gia.edu is a great companion. Check out the link for an in-depth review. But the long and short of it is, these aren't expensive stones, but widely used in affordable jewelry. Well, then why isn't this jewelry affordable? (laughs) I don't price a cookie, I just report on it. Now, onto that fourth piece mentioned earlier. ThinkGeek.com has a white cubic zirconia exclusive that was initially released at ThinkGeek's San Diego Comic-Con 2016 booth. It is in all ways similar to the previous three rings, but this item features a white cubic zirconia in the delta center. Very elegant, if not lacking a bit of TOS panache. The command, engineering, and science variants can be purchased at shop.startrek.com and thinkgeek.com in sizes 5 to 12, depending on availability, for $139 US and the cubic zirconia white ring can be purchased at thinkgeek.com for $114.99 US dollars. Also, at the time of this recording, Tuesday, February 7th, the division color pieces were on sale for $96.99 US dollars. That's 30% off at thinkgeek.com. I really like the blue one the best. Yeah, the blue one is nice. It's got, it's got like a nice light color to it. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Sometimes late is better than never. Links to the items discussed can be found in the show notes, so please be sure to check them out. Have any comments about the segment or anything discussed herein? We would love to hear them. So let us know what you think on Twitter, Facebook, or in the comments section. And remember, you keep an eye on the stars. We'll keep an eye on the market. Until next time. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. 
Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 304's first community question was, do you think there's enough evidence to support the theory that Soniqua Martin-Green will be playing the same character known only as Number One from The Cage? From Twitter, AJ Biega says, No, it seems based on circumstantial evidence. I'm trying to keep an open mind, but right now, I just don't see it. From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says, Sounds nice, but based off just that little blurb, still seems like wishful thinking at this point. That's the danger in reading between the lines. Sometimes you only see what you want to see. Neat if it actually happened, though. I just hope they, the Discovery team, refrain from laying on too much fan service. That gets dull. RTK142 commented on Priority One Podcast, I don't mean to be insensitive, but Sonequa Martin-Green playing the character Major Barrett played is a bigger change than the makeover the Klingons got in the motion picture. You wouldn't cast Tyler James Williams to play Spock in Discovery. It would be illogical. If that was an actual reboot, sure, it would be okay, like how BSG made Starbuck a woman. But it's not. It's a prequel. Yeah, I, again, I... I uh, no, actually, I don't think this made it into last week's episode. I have a problem. Yeah, my, my brain just doesn't... It, it, it doesn't compute continuity-wise um, because it was shown on screen. Mm. But I'm willing to happily accept it because that was Gene Roddenberry's initial vision was to have a beautiful black woman, strong black woman play the role of number one. Yeah, and actually, Majel Barrett um, would have been a compromise, did not quite fit the original description of that character. Um, and while she did a very good portrayal of it, um, I'd like to see it go back to what that original vision was. I'm with Tyler Maxwell. This seems like too much fan service. Let Discovery go its own way. Oh, see, I think it's... The- Fan service to the character or fan service just as a, as a franchise in general? Because I don't think, I think it's the opposite of fan service if you go and, and sort of like retcon that character. That's like. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like Star Trek Online. I, mean, I, think we, I don't want to retread all the discussion we had last week, but it's mm. like how Star Trek Online takes a little throwaway bit here, a little throwaway bit there, and turns it into an episode or an arc or something like that, further exploration. That's all fun and, and fun and games and stuff, but. The, the the character was on the Enterprise and ten years yeah. before Kirk. They're already doing that with Sarek, and I think that might be cutting a little too close to the line. I mean, I, they've got enough sprinkling of of old Star Trek in there already. They don't need to turn the whole thing around and make it about that one throwaway character. That's fine for a Star Trek Online episode, but I think for the series, it needs to boldly go some other direction. Episode 304's second community question was... What are your thoughts on the latest teaser for Star Trek Discovery? And we got a voicemail coming in from Chris Keen. Hello, this is Chris Keen. So I'd like to weigh in on the community question, what did you think of the teaser trailer for Discovery? It's not really what I thought um, about the trailer, but what you guys thought of the Delta. I mean, you guys absolutely slated the Delta something chronic, and immediately I thought, Young minds, fresh ideas, be done. So, yeah. Oh, wait. Um, so, wait, wait, wait. So, is, is Chris Keene saying that we ripped it, like, in a bad way we ripped it because we're young and dumb? Is that what he's no, saying? No, he's saying young minds, fresh ideas, be tolerant. He's wagging his finger at us like we're Scotty in Star Trek Three. My grandmother had the wheels, she'd be a wagon. Yeah, that's, uh, that's us. I- and look, I love the Delta on the costume. It's just that no, logo don't. that they've, they've started using in what? You, you, I do not like the Delta. Yeah. 
You don't look. I mean, you, the Delta on the costume. No, no, you, on the costume. Hang on. You like how they've attached a Starfleet badge to a costume. That's not the same as liking the badge, right? Yeah, I like both. I like the badge on the Delta, the, the badge, which is the Delta on the costume, but I do not like the marketing Delta that they're using that has that stupid overlap. Yeah, it's the, well, no, but there's the, no continuity. Yeah, but the badge on, that's on the actual jacket has the stupid overlap. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm about oh, to Elijah. go to our website right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part of the show where it turns no, out that Elijah no. really wasn't paying very close attention. No. no I'm gonna, what are you guys talking I'm going to describe this to you. The reason that I don't like it is because it looks like it's been folded, right? But if you can imagine with your mind's eye unfolding it, like what kind of messed up... It wouldn't be smooth. It just... Spatial learners will know what I'm talking about right now. I, I believe you. I, I agree with you that it doesn't look good. So yeah. I'm just going to go with whatever you say. Spatial learners and people who did, like, paper snowflakes when they were kids will understand what I'm talking about. If you unfold the delta that looks like it's folded, it will be all kinds of weird shaped, and I don't like it. Okay, there's a line there. There's clearly a delineation in the, the delta on the costume. Mm-hmm. However, it's not overlapped the way it's overlapped on the promotional material. Theoretically, maybe you don't see that overlap because it's sewn into the costume, and that might be, like, you know, messing with that, with, that, with that depth perception thing. Anyway, the reason the marketing materials is like that is because everyone's going to be wearing it on their shirt, mm-hmm. even though that we, as we all know, it should look like like a regular flat Delta, like Star Trek Online, like Star Trek Next Generation, like Star Trek Voyager. It should be simple. It's a symbol. It needs to be simple. It doesn't need layer cake stuff on it. Sorry, Chris Keen. I'm old and crotchety like Scotty, and, but my mustache is better. Via the Star Trek Online forums, Kukulin74 wrote in, Hey team, great show. So my thought on the new teaser. I'm pretty impressed at the apparent quality going into the show. It seems like they really want to shine, which is great. I was taking another look at the wireframe ship this morning, and I've suddenly convinced myself that ship is actually shown upside down. Oh, like... Isn't that what Tony... That's what you said, right? Well, no, I said it's like they had Enterprise... Like, they had the Akira from Star Trek uh, First Contact, and they flipped it over and turned it into the Enterprise from, from Star Trek Enterprise, and they're flipping it back over to be the wireframe, uh, what we saw in that. And he's saying, no, 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 no. The wireframe itself was rotating in space, and the right way to look at it is like Enterprise, like like the Star Trek uh, uh, Enterprise things. Interesting theory, but I think that's hilarious because uh, the, the old story from the original series, Matt Jeffries designed the Enterprise Enterprise, the 1701, to fly with the engineering hull on top, the nacelles at the bottom, and then when they hung the model up, they hung it the way that we now know it. So, you know, everything, it, you know, it, it's space. It doesn't matter which way's up. Either way is fine. And speaking of ships being upside down, Sentinel-X said small saucer section, which looks too NX and not close enough to TOS unless it's a long-range scout-type vessel, hence the name Discovery. Well, I, th- I think they're still settled on having the Dorito Prize as the Discovery, right? Isn't that, didn't they, te- no, didn't they, they tease that? I mean, according to, according to Brian Fuller... The, the Dorito Enterprise. Yeah, the, Dorito, yeah, the Dorito Discovery was um, a, a conceptual. It was all nothing but it was a test screen of the CGI that they were able to do, and they popped something out and they shared it. But according to Brian Fuller, that was not supposed to be the final. Oh, okay, well, Brian Fuller, the guy that's not working on the show anymore. Brian Fuller. Well, yeah, and also they've taken that they've they've taken that model and it's back in the teaser. So it's in the teaser. They've got like like yeah, shots. Not, I mean, like it's the it's angles. pictures though. It's not. Yeah. It's just it's just it's not still. even storyboard. It's just stills of the. 
Unless they're doing the J.J. Abrams, oh, it's not con thing. No, we're totally not using the, you know, we're, we're totally going with the Dorito prize. Totally doing it. And then it turns out to be the upside down wireframe thing we saw. Well, that wraps up episode 305 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here are our community questions for this week. Did you notice all the humanoid species in Star Trek Beyond? Did they stand out to you? What are your thoughts on the supposed symphonic score for Discovery? And finally, what are your first experiences with the launch of Agents of Yesterday on console? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. Now, if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online by joining the Priority One Armada. If you're interested in the game and are looking for like-minded individuals to play around with, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Nile Fernandez, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer Navy Boatslew. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. This is Elijah. Intro, sync one. This is Kenna. Intro, sync two. This is Tony. Intro, sync three. This is Winters. Intro, sync four. Intro in three, two. <laughs> you know, Winters, you were saying there was a shortage of bloopers. Well, off, you know, hey, yes. we're starting right off. We're off. We're off to a good start. Intro in three, two. 
Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News, where this week it's a veritable potpourri of stories. But let's kick off with some long-awaited addition to this TV show. It is. It's a potpourri of stories. You'll see. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Do you not like my choice of words? I'm loving it. The, the fact I mean, that he reacted so strongly. The fact that he reacted so strongly to it means you hit yeah, something. Yeah, means you it's found good. something. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Just go. Keep it. Go ahead. Keep it. Keep that potpourri. Potpourri. We will get sued by the potpourri people. Poo-pourri. You watch out. Because that's Yikes. a thing. Uh, but let's kick off with some long-awaited additions no, to the I, STO shipyards. Did I interrupt her? Was it? Is it? Is that, are we going to be able to salvage yeah. that? I got through the ra- the first one. Before you I tried didn't, to ruin it. I didn't break until the you, until the. Ex- I I think yeah. you started giggling though, Kenna. Yeah, you oh, did giggle a little bit. Yeah, you did. So can you just do and no the giggling whole thing in the show? No, no, no giggling, laughing. no laughing, no, no smiling, fun. no nothing. Fun. Nothing. Damn it! Starting off with the dried lavender leaves, we'll kick off with a long-awaited bundle of finally arriving in the sea store. These ships are colloquially Tier 6 Vestas. Vestas! An iconic class of starship from the Destiny series of novels, which are terrible. They also have seating for temporal operative bridge officers, and that's all there is, so I'm going to read that again so it doesn't sound like that's the beginning of a list. For the full stats and details of the Universal Consoles and Mastery Traits for the ships, we'll leave a link to the blog... See, now I can't do it. Now I can't do it. Now I can't do it. Yeah, sorry. His tongue is I too said, It can't happen. It's not happening. <laughs> we'll leave a link to the blog post in our show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash P. No, take it from the top of the sentence. Our audio editors are very smart people, though. Should stop cutting corners, Tony. No, stop cutting corners, Tony. Is there an echo in there here? There is an echo in here, and one of them sounds... Like a slightly British accented girl. The other one's Elijah. I should have said the other one's Kenna. <laughs> I missed yeah. that opportunity right there. You missed oh, it. Was just, oh, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was just like, oh, man. Oh, man. Hang on, hold a second. Oh, look at a fan over here. <laughs> okay. Save up 1,000 7th anniversary vouchers and you are. Oh. Sorry, my nose is running really bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Here, yeah, I can okay. switch it off. Look, look, we're off the air. You can, we, people can can hear you, but they can't see you. <laughs> I'm sorry. So go ahead, blow your nose. Do it no, now. No, it's done. Nobody can see I'm you. I'm done. All right, I'm going back. You had your chance. Yeah. You had your chance. Finally, the Badlands Battle Zone will also be coming to console with the February 14th update, Valentine's Day. Make your date with Star Trek Online. They should totally use that. We should send that on to Cryptic, and they can and they can put it on their official um, stuff. Yeah. This is Elijah closing for the love of God. Sync one. <laughs> this is Kenna closing. Sync two. Hey, cool cats. This is Tony closing. Sync three. This is Winters closing. closing sync four. Closing in three, two. Do you think that thirty minute? 30 minute clip <laughs> you can cut this this is rambling okay uh, <laughs> that 
That was so petty. Oh, my God. <laughs> Medicine's wearing off. He's and like, I hate the world. You I hate that. you. And I hate you. And I hate you. And I hate this show. And I hate everybody listening. And I just, where's my hot toddy? Where's my hot toddy? And I particularly hate you. <laughs> F you. F you. You're cool. <laughs> Can y'all be quiet, please? If you're interested in the game and are looking for like-minded individuals to play around with, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. You made what? it sound what? like a dating website. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to looking meet for up like with like-minded Star individuals, like, like-minded Star Trek fans, then head on over to PriorityOneArmada. Feel free Bring to include it. a recent headshot. Bringing fleet admirals together since last year. Don't forget stop. to tune it. Stop it. Stop. Don't forget to take it slow. All right. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> that's right. Here, hold on. <laughs> I just need to see the eye roll. But not only did I get the eye roll, I also got the head thrown back oh, into the I mean, I got the package. He's done with me. He is so done with me. I am fired after this show. <laughs> oh, Except he has to have somebody to cover for him next week while he's doing his, uh, his theater. So I might be back. That's right.